Hey guys, TJ here. I would saddle up for this episode with Jenna because it is high energy. She has some amazing, amazing tips. Obviously, this is a webinar format, so we pulled the audio for you guys to make it more accessible. Uh, the visual components here are maybe not as necessary as some of the other audio that you'll be listening to in this season, but um, I think the, uh, the takeaways, regardless of whether you've watched this, whether you're listening to this, the takeaways are incredible. I mean, talking about how you can negotiate, uh, giving you the script for actually doing that, thinking about career pivots from a new lens and positioning, and there's some great questions that she answers. So if you guys are at that point in your life, where you've been thinking about a career transition. Jenna is somebody that one, knows her stuff, uh, but two, she just delivers it in such a way where you feel so empowered to make change. So uh, I hope you guys benefit from listening. Please go ahead and like, uh, share, comment, leave a rating, review. If you do get value, please um, you know, send this to somebody that might benefit from listening. That's probably the best thing that you can do. And of course, we love hearing from you. Um, you can contact us, contact me uh, on my social media feeds, TJ Loeffler, T-J-L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R, Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and of course my website, tjloeffler.com. You can get a hold of us there. We would love to chat with you guys. We have plenty of people who are making career pivots and we help them work on that change from the inside out at a foundational level. So we'd love to hear from you guys if, um, if that's of interest, if you're at that point in your life. But um, otherwise, we're just grateful you're here. Thanks for being here. Guys, welcome to Live with TJ. We are live today on Tuesday instead of Wednesday this week to try and accommodate Jenna Viviano and her schedule because she is a busy woman. And so the fact that we're able to get some time with her today is excellent. Jenna, thank you so, so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm pumped to be here. I'm sorry about Wednesdays. Wednesdays are my only nights. That's why I have my <laughs> women. I have my group call with my women. <laughs> All good. I mean, we're happy to do this because... I mean, we, I know you personally, we've had all these different conversations. I know your heart and what you're doing and I believe in you. I believe in what you're doing. And I also know you're helping a lot of people, hundreds of people change their lives um, in the context of career, but obviously there's so much more to that in those conversations. We'll talk about that at the end, separating mm -hmm. work and worth. And yeah. so, um, but just as a quick intro, I'll let you introduce yourself, but I just want to share a few things and, and highlight a few things. One Jenna's an amazing person. She's a founder and a career strategist. She um, and I share some similar background in terms of stories of going from Wall Street, navigating some change, and then ending up starting our own companies in the coaching mm -hmm. business. And, um, and she's helping men and women, but now primarily women, as they're navig navigating career changes, whether they're becoming, they're aspiring entrepreneurs, becoming entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, or they're on the corporate track and they're just looking to level up their career. Jenna has something for everybody. And so I just want to say hi to Ade and Ilan and Marcus and Reed and Steve and everybody else. If you guys are in the chat, Peter um, and Reed, if you guys are in the chat, let us know where you're watching from. We would love to, um, to hear where people are watching from. And with that though, Jenna, if you want to share just a little bit about who you are and where you are, I know right yeah. now everybody's been in, you know, so where is your location? Where yeah. in the world so where, are you? <laughs> where are you? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm tuning in from Nashville. Um, but I like TJ started out on wall street and realized quite quickly for me, that lifestyle was super not for me. So I basically, um, landed five different jobs at three company or sorry, four different jobs at three companies in, in five years. And so I made a lot of career pivots in my lifetime before I started my company and took it full-time when I moved to Nashville. So as TJ mentioned, I focus predominantly now on working with mid to senior level women, helping them think about themselves differently in their career and help them land new jobs, negotiate thousands more. Mm. So good. Yeah, so succinct. You probably said that a few times. <laughs> it's my elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah. So, so you've taken, and this is what we love to talk about is, is you've taken your past and you made it a platform and you're now inviting other people to do the same thing mm -hmm. by navigating their own identity shift in their career and yeah. teaching them what you've been taught through that experience yourself. Yep. 
Totally. And I feel like it's funny because the more I do this work and predominantly one of the reasons I, I love working with men. I've worked with men my entire career. I've been in male dominated industries, but I realized that there was such a discrepancy between my female folks that I was working with and my male folks where my women were really struggling with the emotions that go into work. Now I know men struggle with that too, but for me personally, the things that I was having to have conversations with women about, it's like, work is so much more emotional and touches on like your self-esteem and your self-worth and so many aspects of your life that we need to talk about that in order to show up better in our interviews. So mm. it's a little bit of both. Mm. Yeah. And that's such a good perspective that, and, and one of the things we'll talk about this, we'll touch on it. Um, but one of the things that I really value about your perspective is that you come from a woman's point of view and a lot of what you share when you're on LinkedIn, by the way, Jenna's like, she, she goes viral on <laughs> LinkedIn. LinkedIn. She is she is Miss LinkedIn. Um, and so if you're on LinkedIn and you're not connected with her, please connect with her. Um, but she, she has great content. But one of the things that you really share and are emphasizing in your message is, hey, we all have some sort of privilege and we all have some sort of disadvantage. And it's up to us to take the responsibility to own whatever that is, whether we've been dealt a great hand mm -hmm. or a not so great hand. It's up to us to how we play that. Is that mm -hmm. kind of if yeah. we were to kind of like summarize a message from you as we start, is that kind of like the yeah. starting point for anyone? I think it's interesting because like I want every single person that interacts with me, even on LinkedIn, who I don't get to talk to a lot of face-to-face -face, is like, I believe in you. Like each, every single person has their own unique capabilities and value that they can bring to an organization. They just have to figure out what that thing is. <laughs> and that I feel like is once you start to hone into that and pay attention to it, it makes navigating in your career a lot easier and it makes navigating change a lot easier as well. Mm. Yeah, so there's this there's this it factor that you yeah. have inside of you. If you yeah, haven't naturally. found it yet, yeah. If you haven't found it yet, it's there. You just haven't found it yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and and Jenna can help you do that. But a number of other possibilities or paths. Mm -hmm. um, there are a number of paths and possibilities to finding that. So, real quick before we go on, because I'm gonna I'm about to ask some really uh, provoking questions for people, including how you make ten grand in less than. 10 minutes. Um, Love that question. <laughs> I want everybody right now, and right now I'm just going to be, while you guys are watching, guess what? We've got Northern Virginia, Kansas City, NYC, Jersey Shore, New Hampshire. We've got people watching from all over. And so uh, while, we have, while we have everybody watching, this is Jenna Viviano, guys, if you're watching on IG, you guys, I'm posting the $10 challenge. So post and share and tag Jenna and I. And we will, or I will, Cash App or Venmo you, just put your Cash App or Venmo name right here in the Zoom webinar chat, post or share, tag Jenna and TJ, and I will literally, like, while we're talking and while Jenna's answering and you send me your Cash App or Venmo name, I'm going to send you $10, um, one of our favorite things to do. I love so, it. So, now, as we get started, we want you guys to invite your friends. Jenna has a lot of really good things to say. As we get started, the first thing I want to know, career pivot, Jenna Viviano, how do you know when it's time to quit? How do you know when it's time to quit? This is like the question of, of all questions for people who are thinking about a career pivot. I think if you've been asking or saying to yourself, maybe a lot, that means it's probably time to leave. So what I mean by that is the narrative that goes on your brain is like, maybe it'll get better. Or maybe when I get finished with that project, I'll feel better about my team. Or maybe it's actually not as bad as I think that it is. When you're saying maybe a lot of the time, it usually means that that's a red flag and you need to ask yourself and dig a little bit deeper about why you're asking maybe and why it's not a heck yes. So that is the first thing that I usually say, if you've been thinking about this for six months or more, the maybes keep on coming to your head. If it's been like one or two months, I usually say, give your company some grace. Maybe they're going through a transition. Maybe there's a leadership changeover. Things happen, right? But if this has been six months or more, and you've really been questioning if there is upward mobility for you, if you're really unhappy getting out of bed every morning, that is a telltale sign. If your physical and emotional health are not well, um, which was me and my first job, my physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, all of that stuff was not working. Um, if that's happening and it's been happening for a prolonged period of time, it's time for you to change. Like you have my full permission in this moment if you needed it, it's time for you to look elsewhere. There is no shame in the game and you do not need to feel like you have to be loyal to a company that gave you opportunities. You are the asset. You are not 
like just something that can get thrown around. So that's wow. my personal opinion. <laughs> wow. Hold on. I just heard relationship advice because <laughs> <laughs> I bring a lot of my singleness into here too. <laughs> <laughs> because I absolutely, absolutely can see the word I heard and you didn't say it, but you said it in like five ways. Yeah. The word I heard was a pattern of negativity, a yes. pattern of questioning yourself, mm-hmm. a pattern of maybe ascribing loyalty where, there, where, where it shouldn't be. And, yeah, 100%. And I've never heard the, the word maybe like that, but that, I mean, like I've never heard it described that way. I think you said it so well when you said, hey, let's have some grace for mistakes or yeah. tough seasons, right? But when we're asking ourselves, maybe it's me, maybe it's this, maybe mm-hmm. it's that prolonged periods of time, like that word, I love how you give that, that trigger word, maybe, mm-hmm. because I have so many people that I talk with on a regular basis that they just, you know how it gets, right? We can be in analysis paralysis. The whole point of this whole conversation is to, and Kat's having a light bulb moment, uh, <laughs> the whole point of this whole conversation is learning how to be proactive with Mm -hmm. your career rather than reactive to everybody else's plans for your career. And so I have a question about that. I have a question about being proactive versus reactive. How does somebody go now that we have an understanding, okay, maybe I'm that person saying maybe, Mm -hmm. how does somebody go from being reactive to then starting to be proactive? What's the first thing you do? I think you first have to decide what you want. Now, a lot of people will go straight to redoing their resume or tweaking their LinkedIn profile, and they're at the at the how-to when they need to get to the why and the, like, what do I actually want? Think about it. We, you know, go to elementary school, we go to middle school, we go to high school. In high school, we try to go to college. Once we go to college, we try either get into grad school or we get a job. And then we're kind of like, we're bottom feeders. We're like floating along at the bottom of the ocean. We're hoping some like kind of crumb comes from the ceiling of the ocean and drops down and we go after it. When instead we need to act like white sharks at the top of the ocean, surveying the scene and seeing what we want to take. Because again, we are the assets. We have the skills, we have the capabilities and it's reframing your brain. So first you need to ask yourself, what do I want? Because the rest of the stuff doesn't matter until you figure out what's most important to you. So that's the first thing that I recommend people doing. Yeah. And when you think about, I love the idea of figuring out what you want, even just the, the visual for me of like the sharks and bottom mm-hmm. feeders. I'm like, oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. And bottom feeders are gross. So it's, yeah, the, a, it's a terrible not, visual, but not it what makes you sense. Want. Yeah. <laughs> not what you want. Not what you want. Um, as you think about now, this is a really hard question. Okay, so let me let me imagine myself. I'm at a restaurant. Waiter comes up to me and says, "What do you want?" I have a menu and I'm paralyzed. Mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. a menu. I have like a whole set of things in front of me and I'm paralyzed. I'm like, uh, "Come back in five minutes, please." Yeah. And yet, here's the crazy thing: I'm one of the most decisive people out there. Like yeah. almost to a fault sometimes. I, I make decisions too quickly. In the past, historically, I've made decisions too quickly. Now that said. Let's just say I've got a menu of job opportunities in front of me, but how do I know what's off the menu? How do I know what do I want, Mm -hmm. even if it's on the menu? Like two different questions kind of getting to the same thing of how do I know what, what, where to begin when thinking about what I want? So this is where the fun work comes in. I don't call it hard work because it should be fun. (laughs) It should be something that we're excited about. Um, I think the first thing is to evaluate what didn't go well and what has gone well in your career. What are the areas that you're not thriving and what are the areas that you are thriving? I'm a big fan of kind of releasing the things that are weaknesses instead of trying to always fix them and actually doubling down on your strengths. So perfect example, I was working at the New York Stock Exchange. I knew it was a fine job. Like I loved, I thought I got cool opportunities. It was awesome, but I knew that's not where I wanted to stay full time. And so in that season, I was really starting to evaluate and look around, like, what did I enjoy doing at my job and what did I hate doing? And I realized while working on Wall Street, I hated finance and I wasn't really very good at it. Like not the great place to figure that out, but that was for me. And so once I figured that out, I started doubling down on the things that I thought I was good at, which was communication, sales, marketing, um, writing, being more creative. They put me in front of a camera at the New York Stock, like random things that weren't a part of my job description. I started paying attention. So I first evaluated, doubled down on my strengths. And then from there, I started to explore. 
So second stage is actually exploring opportunities. Allow yourself the freedom to go onto your favorite brands that you love and just dive into their career section and have no judgment on yourself of like, I can't do that role. No one will hire me for that. Just explore. You are totally allowed to be an adventurer for a time period and see what sparks your interest. I don't care about how much experience you need to have or don't have. I just care about, does it interest you? Start there. Love that. So I'm hearing evaluate and explore. Yep. Now there's a, there's a time period. Okay. So in the evaluation, two things, I'm going to, I'm going to highlight two things that are, that are add-ons to that, which yeah. you mentioned, I'm just going to maybe highlight the add-ons though. In the, in the exploration, in the exploring process, you have to learn how to be honest with yourself. In other words, what you were saying is I was looking back and I'm trying to realize you know, put this in this frame of like, okay, this is what I was told. And this is what I actually see. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do you, before I get to the second one, the second add on, which is without judgment, exploring without judgment. Okay. Let's talk about being honest with yourself. How does one who's been in a career for 15 years, 10 years, and Mm -hmm. has been in a mindset, right. Mm -hmm. And is surrounded with people who have a similar mindset. How do they look and evaluate honestly. I'm pausing because I want to answer this well. Um, yeah. I think that comes, you have to do, that's where the self, like personal development really has to come into play. And you have to get your mindset right that am I trying to people please or am I trying to live out, in my instance, I wanted to live out God's purpose for me. And I was really paying attention. I thought back to times when I was a little girl And the things that I was good at was never the things my parents lovingly pushed me into for college, right? And so when I got honest that my parents were probably not right, (laughs) and they admitted they probably weren't right, (laughs) not that I needed that, but I think that helped me to actually discern, I didn't have to be ashamed that I wasn't good at finance anymore, even though that was the culture I was involved in. I actually had to pay attention to the things that I was good at and to lean more into companies that celebrated that. So I don't know if that really answers your question, but that's how I personally, I knew it was a personal development exploration. Like I needed to get really honest about my mindset and not let myself off the hook and fall into people pleasing. Mm, So good. Yeah. You say it so practically. I love that because I can really fall into the, there's so much, there's so much more depth and we can get there and there's limiting beliefs. So there's this, the value proposition, all these things. But the reality is you said, this is what I heard is I looked back at my life and I had to get the truth about the narrative. Mm -hmm. I had to get the truth about the narrative. And I think what's interesting is that it's very hard to get to the root or the truth of narratives, if we're constantly um, affirming the narrative we've already known. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, totally. And, And so one of the benefits of someone like Jenna, which I was just thinking about this earlier today, I'm like, man, I'm so happy that I have people in my life I've willingly invited and some I didn't even know I needed but they, they have like this perspective. They're like, they're, they're coaches, personal trainers, counselors, mm-hmm. dietitians, other people, um, and people like yourself. It's like, I can have that honest conversation where they have an expertise or something that they've really put themselves headfirst into. And, and I don't have to do all this work on my own alone. Yeah. Like, I don't have to do this alone. And that that actually is very much a liberating thing. Whereas I used to kind of see it as like a, maybe not the right word, but humiliating thing. It's like, I have to get some help. Oh, totally. I think there's a difference between you can do the things doesn't mean you should. Like I could do Mm. finance. I was decent enough at it that I could get by, but that doesn't mean that should have been the thing that I should be doing because Mm. it wasn't truly how I was wired. Mm. So I totally agree with you. And for the record, like you are amazing at what you do. And so it's kind of that doubling down of, continue to do the things that you are really amazing at because you're going to serve more people and be Mm. more in line with your purpose. Mm. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And I received that. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I also want to mention if you guys are on Instagram, if you take a photo and you have shared, go ahead and post your Venmo or cash app name in the chat. So I know who to send the money to. Um, We have a question Mm -hmm. and Jenna, I want to pause it because I have other questions. The next one is really juicy. Um, but uh, you're doing like your answers are so good. I just want to like off the back of those answers. 
Um, I'm going to get to the judgment part, which I did mention I was going to do, but I had one I wanted to pull out here. What if you're good at your job, but you actually don't enjoy it, Jenna? Mm. I mean, even if you're good at your job and you don't enjoy it, I think you need to ask the question of why don't I enjoy it? Because it could be a couple of different reasons. Sometimes I'll have people that'll come to me and they'll say, I really hate my job. I don't love it. I ask, do you not like your job function or do you not like your boss? Because that's a question that I think often gets misinterpreted where I don't like my job is actually that you don't like the company culture you're a part of and not necessarily the function. Now, is that always the case? Absolutely not. But as you're discerning, I think it's important to see like, am I, would I like this in a different culture? Would I like this in a different environment? Or do I truly not like the function of this job and getting really honest there? And if you truly don't like the function of your job, then perhaps it's time to start exploring what are some other gifts that you have um, that could be transferable to move into another type of organization, type of job function. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And so in other words, it's about discerning the difference between the function and the culture yeah. and how it's okay to like what you do and not like the people you do it with. 100%. That, that's actually nine times out of 10. That's usually what happens. And wow. usually I'll have people that'll come to me and they, they're on a sabbatical. Actually, they're intentionally taking a sabbatical because they got so burnt out and they're like, I hate my job. I never want to go back to work for an agency. And so after some like work that we do, they realize, well, it's actually, I don't hate agencies. And I don't actually hate this work. I just hated my company that treated me like crap for how many years. And I put up with it and I allowed that to happen. I put no boundaries up. And actually that was the problem. It wasn't actually my job function hmm. because That's they get to so another good. company and they're like, actually, I don't really hate this. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, that's such a good word. Jelan, that's a great question. I think it a is. lot of people struggle with that because here's the reality that people that are watching, they're like very high, highly competent, uh, skilled, smart people who mm -hmm. can probably figure out wherever they go, probably figure out how to be good yeah. at what they're doing. And, and, and I can't say that's the case for a lot of people. It mm -hmm. just so happens. I know some of the people I'm, I'm, I personally know on here, I'm like, man, they're really, really smart people. And it would be hard when you're good at something and you're being promoted, mm -hmm. but then you have that internal conflict because it's like, this isn't who I am. This well, you got to scratch really that itch because here's the deal. It's never going to go away if you don't scratch mm. it. That's the other thing that if, even if you're competent at something, doesn't mean that should be the thing that you do, because that means you're just doing it because you know, you're good at it. Doesn't mean we work, work almost 90,000. I think the average is the status like 90,000 hours in our lifetime. Do you really want to spend all, and that's a question to be honest about, like, do you really want to spend all that time doing something you don't like? Now I'm not saying your job has to be the end all be all because it shouldn't be, but you should at least somewhat like what you're doing that you're getting up every day and you're excited to contribute. And if that's yeah. not happening, that's a red flag. Yeah. Huge, huge. And that 90,000 hours quantifying it. I remember I was Crazy. writing some copy for the email. I was like, okay, if you're doing 40 hours a week and I did some quick math and somebody's probably yeah. going to fact check me. But I did some quick math and I was like, 40 hours a week, eight hours, let's just assume you're up for 16 hours, you get eight hours of sleep because you're an overachiever and you are, you know, then you have, okay, you got your work week, 40 hours a week, you're doing like, honestly, it's like 35% of your adult life, 35%, mm -hmm. just 40 hours a week, 35%. And we know a lot of people do way more than 40 hours way, a week. Way more. And by the way, when I'm not working, I'm thinking about work, like, yes, totally. The, all the other hours that are not included in that number. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's a very important, uh, important point, which is, Hey, just, if you look out, zoom out and you're like, Hey, this, I like, if I don't scratch this, how long am I going to be going and how much of my life will I be disengaged mm -hmm. and not interested? That's a really important thing. Now, as it relates to this, to this point, the second step, you said first was evaluation. Mm. Sec second is exploration. So we talk about evaluating with honesty Mm -hmm. And now I want to talk about the other add-on, which is without judgment, exploring without judgment. So for example, let's just say somebody's very competent at their job, but they actually, um, they realize that maybe it's the job function that they like, mm -hmm. but they don't like the culture or value system of the industry that they're in. Forget mm -hmm. about even the people and the, mm -hmm. it's just the industry. And let's say they want to do something completely different, but they just honestly, like there's almost fear. There's mm. fear of what will other people think of me? I build a reputation around this identity. How does somebody explore without judgment practically? What does that look like? 
I mean, it's literally going on to LinkedIn, my favorite tool in the entire world. <laughs> and it's finding people at companies you're interested in working for or interested in learning more about or job functions you're interested in learning more about and reaching out to them. It can also look if that feels too scary and you're like, no, 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 girl, you don't know me. I will never do that. It can also look like reaching out to your friend group and saying, hey, I know you're not in this industry, but I'm interested in learning more about it. Do you happen to know anybody that is working for these five companies? I'm just interested in exploring. I did that when I was at the New York Stock Exchange and it was so life-giving. I got to, because I was interested in tech at the time, and I got to talk to somebody at WeWork, at ClassPass. These were like all when they were like early stage and they're not when they are now, but they were early stage. And I got to talk to all of these people at these companies to discern what did I like about their role? What did I not like about their role? Did I think this was an interesting space for me to be in? Did their values align with what I wanted in my next opportunity? So it truly was through that third step is in the exploration is the conversation then. So that's the third step. <laughs> mm. Got to number three conversation. Yeah. Now here's the part where a lot of people get um, cold feet. Yeah. Right. So here's, here's the reality, right? When, when we realize that the path we're on is, is 100% not right for us, mm -hmm. okay, that, by the way, is very liberating because that means totally. that there's a 1%, even the 1% or 0.5% 0. 0. chance that I can find that path that is right for me, that becomes more, more hopeful and a, more of an opportunity than the path that I'm on, with, which I know with 100% certainty is not mm -hmm. right for me. Mm -hmm. Right. So now I have this permission and I can say, I've done the evaluation. I've started some exploration and I can get to a conversation. I can at least get to one. I know everybody on here can at least get yes. to one conversation, even if it's if with you. If you can't, your... I'll connect you with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> like, like seriously, everybody on here can get to one conversation. Now, what the heck do I say in that conversation? Oh, that's easy. Okay, first, first you just you you say thank you so much for hopping on the phone call for 15, 20 minutes. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Would it be okay if I ask you three questions? And the first question you're going to ask them is about themselves so they feel comfortable. You're going to say, hey, I noticed on your LinkedIn profile, you moved from this company to this company. Why did you do that? Great first question. It's going to get you some answers. Second thing you're going to say is, and I'm, I'm exploring this type of role that you're in. What are the top three things that I need to do to be successful in a role like this? What would that look like? And step three, the third question that you could ask is maybe industry related or maybe something very specific you want to know about their company or their role. That's it. And then, then at the end, they're probably going to say, well, why don't you tell me about yourself? Or like, what's your deal? <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's your opportunity to share, share, hey, yeah, I'm working at the New York Stock Exchange right now, um, but I'm interested in making a transition into tech. And I'm really, truly just exploring what these sales opportunities look like. Um, it sounds like your company is really cool. If in the future I decide to apply, what do you recommend that I do to make sure my resume is seen? And you just say that. It's context, right? And they're going to say, oh, well, you can maybe send it to me because they may have an internal referral system or they're going to say, just apply online, you know? Um, but it's about having that conversation. And there are some people that I met during that networking stages that I still keep in touch with now because of just those three questions that I was asking. Wow, wow. Don't that's complicate like, it. Don't make yourself crazy about it. <laughs> gold. That advice right there is gold. And let me, let me put this in more context. Okay, Jenna, you now have your own company and mm -hmm. you've had all these different conversations with, let's just put you on the other side of that conversation, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, now you're on the receiving end of that conversation. Somebody says, hey, Jenna, I'm like really interested mm -hmm. in learning more about your company and all this, and right? So how hard is it to find people? Oh, it's not hard at all. Not it's hard. I don't think, I mean, hard to find people on the internet? Well, okay. Good, good clarification. Because I was like, I can find you find... the producer of any show that you want on LinkedIn. <laughs> yes. How hard is, excellent clarification. And that is 100% accurate. Now, juxtapose that, and this is, and, and you don't have to agree with me, but this is mm -hmm. my perspective. And so I'm curious if you see the same thing. How hard is it to find people that are right fit for your company that are going to be not only competent, but aligned in values and oh. even in personality. Hard. Hard. Yeah. Super hard. Yeah, really super, hard. Super, super hard. <laughs> you think even I put out a post for people to write, be, be, be a blogger, you would think that like to do some extra blog posts, whatever. I found maybe one person. 
out of like 50 applications, which is like, it it was, it's very hard. So if you are proactive and you show up as a human that is differentiating themselves, which, cause let's be real. If you're going to make a job change, your goal is differentiation. You don't want to be a cereal box on a grocery store shelf. You want to be Louis Vuitton, right? Like if we're looking at brands, (laughs) like you want to be a differentiated brand. So that's one way to differentiate yourself. Not that you actually need to be Louis Vuitton, but you get the idea. Yeah, well, Louis Vuitton's great. That's great. That's a great example. And and for <laughs> and that's so we're talking luxury brands. You want yes. to be the luxury brand, yes. and and we believe that people, you guys on here, you guys are the luxury brands. And so we want to make sure that people see you, and that people know you. And one of the one of the things that I just want to like really, really, really emphasize for people is the fact that while it's very easy to find people that you can talk with, those people on the receiving end Mm -hmm. have a very hard time Mm -hmm. finding people like you. Yeah. Think about that. So true. Right? Think about that. It's very easy to go find the people to talk with, but those people who need people have a difficult time finding you. And when you put that in your brain, that's crazy. It's true because applicant tracking systems exist. That's how you know what TJ just said is true because it's so impossible for companies to find good people that they like to automate everything so they don't have to worry about all the people that they don't want. And that's actually keeping you probably from being seen. So like, how do we know that's true? Applicant tracking systems exist. (laughs) Wow, I've never even heard of that. But so then now as we think about even and people, you know, when they come to the boot camp, one of the natural things I say, like, uh, I don't know, maybe two out of five are they're at or near a turning point career wise. And so we have a six week boot camp. They go through it. It's a lot around identity and purpose and understanding yeah. who you are and getting to the core of beliefs that drive behaviors and breaking cycles and patterns. But inevitably, we care about mindset before strategy and tactics. But inevitably, inevitably, we get to tactics and some of the mm-hmm. tactics are like, I need to make a career move. Yeah. And one of the first things we talk about is like, well, some, some who are used to the corporate world and they're not, let's just say they're not going out into entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. They're thinking, oh, I need to fix up my resume <laughs> and I need to do this and I need to do that. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, hang on. What are you even fixing it up for? Yeah. I'm, I'm not the career coach, but what, <laughs> but what's the per, where are we going with that? Why are we looking at a resume as the first thing we need to address? Right. Mm-hmm. So going back to this idea of knowing what you want and being able to understand that I'm going to get to the resume point in a second, but knowing what you want, being able to understand that I'm just reviewing what Jenna said. There's some gold in here. Evaluate with honesty where you're at, explore without judgment of where you want to be and have conversation and be honest so that people who are on the other line can see that you're the luxury brand that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. And they can say, wow, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. that's exactly the type of person that we needed. And I didn't even know we needed them. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. And you see this all the time. Okay. We've got some, we've got some more questions real quick. I want to ask you this question. This is one I wanted to ask earlier, but we got into a good groove here. How can you make $10,000 in less than 10 minutes? Negotiate and then negotiate like it's true. Mm. (laughs) What does that mean? Tell the people what that means. Gosh, I wish more people would negotiate their salary and do it well. Um, I think people are so intimidated because one, there's money mindset issues that you, I'm sure, address and talk through. Um, we talk about that with our clients as well. We do the same approach where we, they have never been through a job search course that talks about mindset first, <laughs> if they've ever done one. We make sure we do that because I think it's, it, it is important to do it in the beginning so that by the time you get to negotiation, it's no big deal. And so negotiation is the best way to build wealth. Like if you're in a nine to five job over the course of your career, if you do not negotiate, you are already losing out on buying power, if you will. So let's say that you were supposed to be making a hundred thousand dollars and you didn't negotiate and you could have negotiated $20,000, let's say. And if you would have negotiated that $20,000, that's going to impact and compound over time in a much more dramatic way than if you didn't. So the whole point is making sure that you just have a conversation that takes less than 10 minutes. It probably takes 30 seconds to actually negotiate your salary amongst other things you could negotiate for, but it's the easiest way to make 10K. Easiest. The 30 second Tell me a little bit. Tell me real quick. Okay, so I'm on the, uh, let's just say I'm a decision maker. Mm-hmm. First of all, you can't have the conversation with a non-decision maker. That's just not gonna Correct. be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so let's yes. just say I'm a decision maker. 
And, um, and let's say I'm a really tough decision maker and I'm really scary to a lot of people. Um, hard to believe after that photo I posted of the little TJ <laughs> with so the cute. suit and tie. <laughs> but I'll okay. just pretend for a second uh, that I'm not approachable. I'm not the guy you want to talk with. And let's even pretend it's this dynamic, right? Where it's like, and I see this all the time. You talk about it all the time, women in business and how mm-hmm. you have, you know, women are at a disadvantage, all these other things that are, there's realities to this mm-hmm. that I can't, I can only emphasize. Yeah. But, but as women, we assume. can't hide behind that either. I make that, that's very important. Like we can't just say, well, they're not going to give me it because I, you know, a lot of women won't even step up to the plate. So we have to step up to the plate first, but keep going. <laughs> Good. So there you are. So you're saying, okay, I'm stepping up to the plate. So yeah. how do you even initiate that conversation? Like just blank, yeah. blank canvas. Yeah. So you have to get an offer first. Obviously you don't want to negotiate until you have an offer. Um, so when you get an offer, let's say it's hundred K and you really think you should be making 120 K you've done your research, you've looked online, you looked at pay scale, you looked at LinkedIn premium, you kind of did some, you know, looking into it, right. You did your research, you come to the table and you also have your case study of the value that you bring and you show up and you say, um, TJ, thank you so much for this offer. I'm super excited about being a part of the team. As I was looking over the offer, I noticed that the salary was around $100,000. Based off of my understanding of what's appropriate for this type of role with my experience that I'm bringing to the table and doing bam, bam, bam for your company that you said that you needed and the return on investment I'm going to be able to provide, I was expecting to see a salary of more 115 to 125. Is there any way that we can move more in that direction? If so, I would love to take the job. Mm. So it's it's about being like showing up, reiterating your value that you bring, showing you did your research. And the worst thing that they can say when you phrase it like that is no. That's the worst thing. I have heard of people getting their offers rescinded only when they're a crappy company or if you do it in a rude way, which if Mm. you use that framework, it's never going to be rude. It's just going to be matter of fact. Mm. I love what you said there. Because what you're saying is I'm taking emotions out of the equation and speaking factually so that we've got a lot of great questions, by the way, I want to get to, (laughs) but I'm speaking factually so that people's yes or no is not personal. Yeah. You have to take emotions out of it. Hands up approach. You have to go into interviews like that. You have to go negotiations like that. And you have to say, I've done my best. I am going to come to the table with the facts. And if you don't want to take it, that's okay. It's not my problem. Mm. That's your loss. So well said. <laughs> so well said. And hands up approach. I love that. We talk about being open-handed. There's three yeah. ways to hold a coin. There's only one way to get more. If we're holding on to things in life, we're not going to be able to receive all the, all mm-hmm. the other things that are waiting for us. And so Jenna, when she's talking about this, what I'm reminded of too is like, oh my gosh, guys, sometimes, and I've been guilty of this. I've been guilty of this. Sometimes we hold on to things like it's the last time we'll ever see an opportunity. Oh gosh, it's not. There's so many jobs available. It's true. And I think that that's a thing in COVID right now. People are not believing. Say, let's talk on that. Yes. It's not talk true. I've quick. had three people, two clients and one friend in the past week, week and a half that have reached out to me and they landed a job and negotiated more money than they were making in their last position. Wow. And so, we're, by the way, this is June, 2020 right now. So I don't know if, if you're watching this at a different time. Yeah. The context for this conversation is we've just been in lockdown for like two and a half months. Yeah. Long gone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Company, like the market dipped like 30 some percent and is now yeah. back and it's, but there's a whole lot of, and, and now we've got riots and other things going on and mm-hmm. like, and, and like justice, injustice mm-hmm. and justice conversations mm-hmm. around racism, but like really intense, important conversations that we need to be having yes and and also like sensitivity in the market just in general not just economically but then you know socially Mm -hmm. with social distancing with the conversation on racism so so we've got a lot going on in the world and what you're telling me is while there's a lot to be upset about a lot Mm -hmm. to be working through personally and emotionally feeling uh there's also a lot of opportunity I believe it to be yes I believe it's true. I'm seeing it. It was it dicey there for a little bit. Of course, yes, it was. But I'm also seeing those companies that had furloughed employees are bringing them back on, and they're hiring again, and they're seeing that they are able to come back. And this is these people are not in industries that were resilient. Like some of them had gotten let go from the actual industries they got rehired into. So, mm. um, 
I am seeing that that is still real. Like people are still getting jobs. So don't lose hope. <laughs> mm, love that. I love that. Don't lose hope. Okay. So let's get to a couple other conversation questions. Okay. How do you present as the luxury brand if you're making an industry switch? This is really good. Mm -hmm. And Jenny, you can speak to this. If you're making an industry switch, and I've got a, a whole lot of things that come to my mind. So if you don't have the certification, if you're mm -hmm. starting from the bottom, right? And the example was, okay, you know, outside of being wanting to be a surgeon without any training, is that a naive expectation to not have to start at the bottom? So in other words, I've been in this industry, I've been doing well, now I want to make a switch, go over here. Is it naive to think I have to, or I don't have to start at the bottom, that I could start higher up? I think it, it to me, that question, I love that question. I get that question a lot. I think it's so case by case basis. So I know that I probably won't answer this in a blanket, blanket way. However, I will say that you need to be thinking about what are your transferable skills that people don't realize that they have more transferable skills than they probably realize. Now, if it's certifications and certain things like that, you probably, if you have to have it for the role, I would recommend getting those in order to be competitive. If it's, um, you're making a pivot to a different industry or to a different role, and it's really, you're having to, you know, showcase your luxury, um, sorry, your, your transferable skills. That is where you can really um, package that up. So perfect example, when I was transitioning from the New York Stock Exchange to the Muse at a sales role, y'all, I had never had a sales role in my entire life. I had never even worked in retail. Like I had zero experience, but when I showed up, it was not for the most below position. Like it was a more senior position. I showed up and I, what I'm talking about with luxury brand is around what's the confidence that you have in yourself, first of all, and how you articulate what you are really good at and what you can bring to the table what you can help them achieve in terms of results. So I came to the table and they asked me the question, why should we hire you? And I said, you want to hire me because though I don't have the exact, exact experience of building up a market, I know how to talk to senior leaders. And this brand in order to get to the next level and get more funding is going to have to be able to talk to these senior talent acquisition leaders to sell them on your product. And I have that experience working with CEOs at the New York Stock Exchange. No sales experience. That's why they hired me. And so my point is, is you can still, you can still position yourself. You just have to find the threads that connect. And so once you find the threads that connect, you can leverage that skill set that you have into that new position. And that's what we mm -hmm. help people do because it is hard to do for yourself. Um, but that's why I would recommend talking to someone to help you see what's happening 2D on your resume and bring that 3D to life. Yeah. Love that 2D to 3D. And the, the other thing as it relates to, and I think you're speaking to everybody when you say that, and I know you said it depends case by case. I think something that sticks with me when I'm hearing you talk about it, when I hear the question and something I've wrestled with, like personally, I mean, you know, my certification certifications are like, um, God gave me gifts and yeah. I have these gifts that I've been using. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and then as I went, and then as I went back in my life and I was like, wait a second, for what I'm doing, actually, I have some of the best certifications in the transformation mm -hmm. that my life has actually gone through. Yeah. And so it was really what you're describing around the context and positioning mm -hmm. matters so much because if I were to take my life transformation and apply it to a financial planning company, maybe I could speak to their lifestyle development and mm -hmm. the ancillary services they offer their clients, but like, I'm not going to be able to really help them from the standpoint of making financial decisions from a CFP lens because I don't have that certification. Right. Right. So it's this idea of like really understanding the context of the place you're stepping into is so mm -hmm. important, so important, and how you fit into that new context, new industry, whatever it is. That to me is yeah. huge. I think also the certification piece, again, there are some industries where you absolutely need that. So I don't know this person's situation that asked the question, but um, sometimes I feel like our culture has glorified certifications and glorified extra education because quite frankly, we don't want to learn how to position ourselves. And so we think that we're going to put a bandaid over with education and certifications. And that quite frankly is not actually going to cut it. So um, again, I don't know this specific situation. Again, some industries you need it, like if you're going to something technical, but 
just be careful that it's not just, we're just using it as a bandaid and it's not actually going to help us make that transition. So well said. So I know that's well controversial, said. but. <laughs> it's so well said though. And I said, one of the things I said to, to everybody, you know, before we started, I said, Jenna's going to say it how it is. She's a ninja. Yeah. So you might get hit and that's okay. Okay. Have another question here from Steve. What are some practical issues or challenges related to getting out of a job or career, right? And obviously he, he mentioned, well, yeah, you got to know what you want to get into and trying mm -hmm. to, to line that up before quitting. What are your thoughts around that? I get that question a lot. People said, TJ, I thought you had the whole ship built before you left Goldman. No, no, like, no, yeah. not at all. Like <laughs> I didn't, right? Now you have a different story, different experience, but yeah. can you just speak to that, that really quickly is, is the idea of, okay, do I have to have something lined up before I make my move? And, um, and then just what were some challenges that you see regularly? So I think you don't. And I think the, that's a common narrative. It's more comfortable too. That's just the reality. It's more comfortable to um, get a job while you have a job. It's also hard because you are working a long hour, long hours, and then you're having to job search and connect and go on interviews. And it's hard, especially if you're feeling like I just am so overwhelmed and I'm paralyzed. You may not be able to get discernment around what do you want if you don't have the space to understand that. So if your financial um, situation allows you to, I actually recommend for some people to give yourself some, a lot of runway and understand your own risk tolerance, right? You have to be honest with yourself around that. Um, but if you can take time off, there is no shame in the game anymore about taking time off and explaining a gap in a resume. People sometimes miss it. Even if they do ask you about it, you can very confidently say, I purposely took a sabbatical. That's all you have to say. You don't have to say what you were doing. You don't have to give explanation. You don't have to talk around it. You took a sabbatical. That's all you need to say. And I'm having people that have been on sabbaticals for a long time that get a job and it's, it's literally a blip. People think it's a much bigger deal than it actually is. So my answer is if you can financially afford it and it feels comfortable to you, take the time off. If it doesn't, and that's not going to work for you, find a job while you have a job. So mm. it's, you know, choose your own adventure. <laughs> mm, <love laughs> choose your own adventure. So when you, when, when people are in that exploration phase, one of the things that I'll, that I'll notice is that, you know, for example, I knew this about myself and it kind of ended up happening was if I didn't have this sense of urgency while mm -hmm. I didn't have a job, then I wouldn't push myself into whatever the next thing was. I would find a lot of ways to kind of avoid doing that. And mm -hmm. so as you're, have you, have you noticed that yourself? as you've kind of navigated through your career where you've found yourself in positions where you've been playing the avoidance kind of game? Oh yeah. I got to put my back up against the wall in order to get me to do anything. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Agreed. truly, I think I had my business was a side hustle for two years and I'm grateful for that. Um, I truly am because it made my transition to Nashville so much easier um, because I moved across the country and started a business full time all at the same instance. So um but in my business, there have been times where I have had to put my back against the wall and either invest big in my business and myself to force me to do the work, or I had gotten so burnt out that I was like, it, this has to change or I'm not going to do my business anymore. Mm -hmm. So there have been times, because that goes into the worth and the work and that whole conversation. But I think for me personally, I do have to kind of um, put my back up against the wall in order for me to move sometimes. And I see that with clients. Like as soon as they admit and fully are all in on being like, I'm done with this company, it actually makes going to work easier for them because they have no skin in the game anymore and they're not emotionally attached. And they can actually put all their efforts now into finding a job. I see it happen mm. all the time. Mm. I love that. Yeah, the back against the wall thing is really one of the only ways I get things done. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. I, I wish it were different sometimes, but at the same time, it's like, I have a friend who's, um, and he's been on here, Jared, his dad's a hall of famer in the NFL 20 years. And yeah. he was an incredible athlete as, as was, and is Jared. But, um, you know, one of the things that I took away from you know, many conversations I've had with Jared, but, you know, in, in one particular conversation was he talked about how his dad taught him mm. to think broke. So not poverty, yeah. but 
think broke. His dad would tell him, Jared, you have to always think broke. And he came from a rough part of Dallas. Mm. And so he, he told him, he said, no matter how successful you get, no matter how much you make, no matter mm. what's going well in your life, you have to be thinking broke. You have to have your back against the wall. Yeah. Because if you get too comfortable, that's when you're not ready. Yep. And when you're not ready, that's when something comes and just sides. Totally. You. I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I've, I, like that, res- that resonated <laughs> with me so much. And it's funny to hear you say the back against the wall thing too. Um, as we talk about, I do have a couple of questions around um, just the transition. Cause I know we have people watching that are aspiring entrepreneurs or mm-hmm. early stage. And I think that's a really important conversation. You have yeah. so much perspective on that. So as it relates to even making that transition, so now you have somebody who's in corporate world, they're an inner creative, they've got an entrepreneurial itch, they got to scratch it. You know, how do you know if you're made to start your own business? I think if you've been not scratching that itch for a long time, you probably need to try it out. I think that's the first sign. I tell it to people all the time. If you are feeling like you've been wondering and you've been doing all the research on all the podcasts and you've been reading all the blog posts and you've been following all these people and you've not made the move yourself, it maybe is a sign that it's time to start dipping your toes in. And it doesn't mean that just because you're dipping your toes in, you don't have to dive into the deep end. You can just truly dip your toes in and understand what do I like? What do I not like? What looks interesting to me before you die? I did that. And I thought that was such a helpful experience of getting to dip my toe in before going full-time into my own business. So I definitely would recommend um, people to scratch it because you probably are meant to do something entrepreneurial if you're thinking about it that much. Mm. Now, here's a really key distinction. I love that you said you don't have to go, you know, all the mm-hmm. way in. You can dip your toe in. And that's something I always forget. I used to swing for home runs only. Yeah. Now I'm like, let me just swing to get on base. And every yeah. once in a while, if I see a softie, I'm yeah. going to really go for it. But um, by the way, I've never played baseball. So that's kind of funny. I <laughs> use that analogy. I've literally <laughs> never played. Um, but uh, <laughs> so as we think about the idea of getting into entrepreneurship or even just starting your own company, you know, Mm -hmm. today you don't have to think, it doesn't have to be this grand idea of like having, you know, being the next startup that gets funded, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 billions. All right. If you just think about what it takes, what it actually takes to get Mm -hmm. to six figures. Okay. And I'm talking six figures profit. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, you know, plenty of people get the six figure revenue and not, I mean, that's, that's a huge accomplishment, yeah, totally. and, but I'm talking for somebody Profit. to really get there. Okay. What are like the two or three things that you think, man, okay. You, if you have this, you're going to be set up for success. I, I can definitely, I'm going to think about the second one, but the first one that first pops into my brain is the, is getting over your fear of rejection. If you can get over your fear of rejection, you're going to be successful in business. As soon as I feel like I'm failing in business, it's probably because I'm getting sensitive about being rejected. (laughs) It's pretty much directly correlated. That's the first thing. And then I think the second thing is, um, it's either owning your pricing, quite frankly, or it's, um, it's resilience. So I think it could be one of those two things. So owning your pricing and then resilience is the other piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And it seems like it, and and here's the other thing. It seems like it's such a stretch. And the reason I say six figures profit is because you have people who are in the corporate world making six figures and then they have this itch to be an entrepreneur. And, and by the way, you don't just become an entrepreneur and all of a sudden you have this, you replace all the money that you're making. And and by the way, that's great money to begin with. So you know, good for you that you were able to do that. And then by the way, when you're making $40,000 a year, that's still good money. Yeah. It's just, there's a big difference between that 40,000 sure. and that hundred thousand. And so the idea of rejection, owning pricing, having resilience, all those things resonate with me. If you're thinking about somebody though, who's just like, Hey, you know, forget about six figures. I just need to get my first client. Mm, What's your best advice? What's your best advice to somebody who's like, I'm just starting a coaching business or I'm starting interior design or I'm starting this. How do I get my first client? The way I'll just tell you how I got my first client. So (laughs) I could give you all the elaborate marketing things, how you should be posting on LinkedIn and here and there and all that different stuff. But I honestly, the first thing that I did was I did my service for free. And I, the caveat with the gentleman that I did it for free with, I did his resume. I said, 
if I do this for you for free, will you introduce me to three of your friends that you feel I like could use my services? And he said, absolutely. And that's how I got my first client. I think I charged her a hundred dollars. I know what the heck I was doing, <laughs> but I that hundred dollars, I still remember that hundred dollars, probably more than I remember a $12,000 contract. Do you know wow. what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's, the thrill of that first client. And anytime I sell a new product, like we're about to sell our course. Um, and it's the first time we're selling it in a course format. We've done it in a coaching format. And I'm like, I'm so excited for that first sale, even though it's much less than what our coaching program, I'm so excited for that first sale. So I think it's also celebrating once you do get that first client and not stopping from there, using mm. that as momentum. Mm. And I love that you, you said I did something for free and I asked, not from, I'm not, I didn't ask for more money from him or, or even any money from him. Yeah. I asked for other people I could connect with to yeah. do more work for more yes. value for. Yeah. I love that. I was hustling hard. Like I remember I was reaching out to, I mean, I'm the queen of outreach. <laughs> I was reaching out to these women that owned a peanut butter company to do consulting work for them. I reached out to a nutritionist. It's really big here in Nashville. Now it's kind of funny. I reached out to another, I mean, I just reached out to them all. I was like, what's the worst that can happen? They're not going to respond to me. I don't care. And that's how I got over my fear of rejection as I put myself out there more. And I didn't care who didn't respond. Mm. So good. Yeah. yeah. So that's like, that's gold. The things that you're just talking about right now, it's like the outreach thing is really important and it's, it's gold. Um, I want to talk about your course in a second. And before we do, I have another question like sure. to answer. Okay. So is reaching out to a network for a job? So is reaching out to people for a job mm -hmm. similar to reaching out for cold leads as mm -hmm. a business owner? If so, how is it similar? If yeah. not, how's it different? I think it's similar in the sense that you want to be human. You don't want to be a robot. <laughs> I think it's different in that you, similar to how you wouldn't, actually, I think it's a lot similar now that I'm thinking about it. So when you're reaching out to somebody, you're not going to send them your resume and say, Hey, do you think I'd be a good fit for any role at your company? No, that's like asking for marriage when you haven't gone on the first date, similar to how I hate when people slide into my DMS on LinkedIn and they're like, Hey, I have this great product. I'm like, I have not seen any of your content. I don't know you uh, delete archive. Bye. Right. So I think it's similar that when you're reaching out to people, you have to have a human element. Hey, I really love what your company is doing. I notice customize it. It has to be customized in order for it to be effective. That's how I've gotten on podcasts that have 2 million plus downloads. That's how I've gotten attention is because I've customized it. And so the same thing holds true, whether you're finding a job or you're reaching out to potential clients. Mm, love that. And so there's this process, whether it's the job or potential clients, the other thing you mentioned, you kind of flipped it in there, but it's really important. And something as a business owner, it's like, whoa, people really got to pay attention to this. Unless you've been through yeah. it, you don't know it. It's like, hey, you really have to respect the relationship process. Yes. Mm -hmm. I do not just show up and then all of a sudden, boom, it's like buying, selling, yes. everybody's happy. No. They got value. You got money. You got that value. That rarely they got happens. No. <laughs> That's just not how it works. Like there's a process of yeah. building relationship and that takes time, mm -hmm. but it also, it's not just time alone. Mm -hmm. It takes that nurturing and just mm -hmm. that connection and leading personally, whether it's yeah. for finding a new job or, or new leads for your business. We live in an instant gratification nation and whether you're finding a new job or you're building your business, we want it to happen tomorrow, which I get, I've been there. Patient is not my virtue. Like patience is so not my virtue, but I think that in that resilience that I was talking about, that's what makes a successful job seeker too. Somebody who's resilient and okay with being rejected. Same thing holds true in business. You helped me mm. connect those dots tonight. Thank you. Mm. So good. <laughs> good questions, guys. Great questions. Uh, I want to talk about your course very quickly because I want people to be able to yeah. access your course. So oh, if you're willing to share a little bit. Yeah. 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 So we have the one that you and I have talked about is LinkedIn by lunch. So that is live and we're going to send TJ, um, uh, a discount code for y'all, but basically LinkedIn by lunch is really designed to help you finish your LinkedIn profile in three hours or less. So before lunchtime, um, making it super simple, it's for entrepreneurs and it's for people that are nine to five, five jobs. So if you're on either one of those tracks or you're wanting to switch over to the other one, that, um, is going to help you learn how to create better content on LinkedIn and make sure your profile is up to speed. Oh, we also have teach you how to, um, connect with people more effectively with some templates and networking tools. Love that. Cool. Love that. And, uh, Jenna is like, if you are ever on LinkedIn and you don't know what to do, 
and you decide you're going to buy the course after you look at her profile, <laughs> you can learn a lot just by looking at her profile yeah. and saying, huh, if this person is actually selling a course about this, Mm -hmm. Maybe I should look at what they're <laughs> actually doing and just mirror some of that as yeah. a starting point because totally. she knows what she's doing. She's gone through the process. And by the way, there's multiple right paths yep. and everything that she's saying tonight or that I've kind of shared on, there's multiple right paths for you guys. Mm -hmm. um, there's multiple right answers. And I think, you, you know, we've only touched on just a handful, totally. but that goes for LinkedIn and other other things. That said, when you don't know what to do, Follow a formula that you know works mm -hmm. until you learn how to personalize it. And mm -hmm. Jenna knows formulas. I, I can't say it's formulas like it's scientific, but yeah. you know, basics. We principles. need structure. We need Correct. structure to learn things. And that's really what we're doing. Correct. Yes. Bringing some structure to what is otherwise a creative mess sometimes. Yes, agreed. <laughs> in our heads. Um, okay. So, very quickly, guys, and Jenna, I want to respect your time. And we have other questions we might have to do around two totally at some fine. point. Uh, but I'm going to launch this poll. Would you recommend this to a friend? I love this question here at the end. Um, and while we do, I'm actually going to ask, we have 100% votes, yes. Um, <laughs> what, of course, while we do this, I actually want to go back and just ask for the $10 giveaway. Um, I want to go back. It doesn't seem we have an extremely social media active crowd tonight, which sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But we do, I know, have people who are listening and paying attention, and I want to give them a chance for $10 giveaway. So as we go back to the beginning of the conversation, how do you know when it's time to quit? Jenna used one word, one word. That was a trigger word. It was oops, when I'm asking myself this word, when I'm saying this word often enough, what was that word that helps us know when it's time to go? Okay. And I want you to send me your Venmo or Cash App name so that I can send you a $10 gift right now, okay, because we do have a couple answers um, coming through. So I'm going to wait for you guys to answer and then send me your Venmo or Cash App name and I will send it to you before we're done. Jenna, as we are finishing, um, I do have three questions and I'm looking for your best advice, okay? okay? Number one, best advice for LinkedIn profile. Get a solid photo up, please, for the love. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that matter? Because Why does that matter? Your, your profile views will go up, your search views will go up, and your profile views will go up, and you're going to look more approachable. So all of those reasons is why you need to have a picture that's professional. If you don't have um, the option to get a professional photo done, you can literally do it with a timer wearing a nice shirt in front of a white background with some good lighting in front of you. That's all you need. I've had friends that have done that. It's super simple. It does not have to be difficult. So that would be my number one advice. Wow. Very simple. Um, very effective. Pictures tell a thousand words or maybe more. Um, so question is, are black and white photos okay? I prefer not. But if you have one and it's all you got, it's okay. Yes, color is better. Okay. Color is better. And I personally, having a wife who's a photographer... Um, in a very different sense, I, I would say color is 100% better for something like LinkedIn. If I would follow Jenna's advice there for sure. Um, second question, uh, best advice for, um, well, we talked about getting your first client, but I actually want to know growing your business if you're an entrepreneur. Best advice for growing your business. Picking one content platform and consistently posting to it. Don't use all five. I made that mistake and I was exhausted. Yeah. It is exhausting. Like it's so <laughs> exhausting. We use it's Instagram, but not really. Um, we're, we really have doubled down on LinkedIn and we've seen a growth. Um, we had a goal to reach 20,000 followers by the end of this year and we hit it last week. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. So shows what That's focus awesome. can do. Thank yes. You. Yes. And it's, by the way, it's super hard to, let me just add, it's really hard to just focus on one thing. Yeah. and do that really well because it's very tempting to get into all these 100 mm -hmm. it's very tempting by the way cat uh i don't know if you can see but you got ten dollars in your account congratulations the word was maybe the word was maybe <laughs> as the answer to the question how do you know 
when it's time to quit, when you find yourself asking that question, maybe, maybe, maybe over a period of time, maybe it's time that you stop asking that question mm-hmm. and do something about it. Um, last question I have for you, Jenna, before we go, your best advice for separating, and you mentioned this earlier, this is a topic we could segue into. This could be a whole five hours. Oh, we can session. do another one. <laughs> yeah. Separating, your best advice, separating work from worth. You got to do some Jesus work. I mean, that's my only answer. <laughs> I think I think my best is, advice is you can't get attached. You, you should have results in your career, but you can't get attached to the results. Because if I look at my Instagram following and I'm, I am putting my worth in how many people I have that are following me, or if I'm putting the amount of money that I'm making every year into what I believe about myself, my business is not going to be in existence in a year from now. So I have to be really conscious and intentional about separating those two things and getting my identity correct and not tying it completely over to my career, which is very hard for me as a single, I was a single woman for a very long time. And I really struggled with that because it was a large, large part of my identity because I felt like if I, if my personal life wasn't bumping, then I, my professional life better be, I better go all in on that. And that can be a little unbalanced. So Mm. Mm. sound advice. And I appreciate your perspective and vulnerability in that too, because I think a lot of us we struggle with that, right? Yeah. So it's it can hard. Be super empowering to hear other other people's stories and say, hey, it's like, yeah, like I've struggled with that. And that's okay. I still do. So I'm taking a yeah. sabbatical, <laughs> which <laughs> you encouraged me to do. Good. Yes, yeah. I'm all about that. Um, guys, I want to say thank you so much for joining. Um, also, Jenna, I just want to say thank you. You're so honest. You're you. such, such high energy, such great advice and input. Um, I would be remiss to, to not mention uh, just everything that's going on in the world, it is a challenging time for people. Um, you know, I think one of the things, and, and, and I believe that we have an option, we have a choice to use our platforms for something, right? And we don't want to just use this platform to promote a message of, um, you know, that you can do anything in life and you can set your mind to it. We also want to use this platform to encourage you guys to have a conversation. Yeah. Um, and we want to encourage you guys to do some of the inner work as well as the, you know, external conversations that are necessary. Jen and I have been just honestly, I know we didn't talk about this beforehand, but Jen and I have been chatting on, um, on Instagram and we've been having some back and forth, just engaging in this conversation around racism specifically around just how we can have a healthy perspective. What is in our part right? What's within our responsibility? Because we're talking about, by the way, that's that whole message tonight is Mm. what's within your control and responsibility and what's not and do what you can. And um, look, some people are going to feel like they need to publicly process their emotions. Some people are going to feel like they need to go out and protest. And we believe there's a, there's a right path for everybody, but we just want to encourage you guys to find a path to engage in the conversation. We're all part of a solution. We are all a part of a solution, in, and really it's about dehumanizing uh, more than anything else. We want to we want to bring value back to people. We're, we're encouraging communication or donation and education, all those things, but we really encourage conversation and that deep inner work. We both talk about mindset, mm-hmm. and mindset does come before all these other solutions in the world, right? Our perspectives. So we just want to encourage you guys that um, no matter who you are, no matter what your story, no matter what your background we believe in you guys. We also believe that you're part of a solution and that this goes way beyond jobs and way beyond career. And it goes straight to the heart of understanding who we all are and our value and worth as God's children. Mm. And so I just want to say thank you for being the leaders that you are. But I also want to just really mention that this is important as much as this conversation around you know, totally. career empowerment. Yeah, so. I'm with you. I've been convicted this week, y'all. <laughs> Yeah, I've been convicted. So thank you for saying that. And thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you, Jenna. Guys, thank you so much for being here. And, uh, and we will talk soon. We'll make sure that everybody who's watching has a link to that course as well. Awesome. Thank you, guys.